Welcome to the Channel 17 Podcast, a weekly Atlanta Braves discussion podcast. Brought to you by the Productive Leisure Network, online, ProductiveLeisureNetwork.com, and on Facebook and Twitter, at Prod Leisure. I'm your host, Will Floyd, and joining me as always is my father, Tim Floyd. And as always, Will, I'm glad to be with you on this, um, to talk about some Braves history as opposed to the fairly miserable Braves present. Right. Uh, We could talk about baseball, which is still ongoing in a rather exciting World Series. one of the great World Series games of all time last night. We're talking on Friday, I mean Thursday, after the Wednesday night game two, um, which I didn't see. I was dead tired after having a very busy week. I saw Seager's home run that put the Dodgers up three to one, and I wanted to stay awake, and I fell asleep. And your mother turned the television off from that, and I wasn't even aware of it. Um, and only this morning did I read all of the many wonderful things that happened after I turned it off. But what a game. Yeah, well, my wife, the Yankees fan, has asserted that baseball is dead in our apartment for the season. <laughs> so, you know, she ought to feel good about baseball. The Yankees had a much better season and postseason than any reasonable observer would have predicted. Right. Um, but but so I was like more following Yankees along. fans aren't reasonable observers of it, right? Actually, I will come to the defense of Yankees fans, not only because I'm married to one, but because having lived in New York and L.A., I've experienced Yankees and Lakers fans. And Yankees yeah. fans are actually quite reasonable, just with massively high expectations. They do have high expectations, but usually they're met. That's yeah. the thing about Lakers fans have uh, very high expectations and a total lack of reason about how good their team is. <laughs> right. Listen to Lakers fans talk about, you know, the, like, sixth man who's not very good. And they'd be like, he's devastating. He's awesome. You're like, no, he's terrible. But, you know, part of the fun, I think, is each fan base has their own yeah. kind of build-up. And we're doing this project over the offseason where we're talking about players that are notable in Braves history. And today is Eddie Matthews, who holds a lot of things. And I think in some ways actually is kind of part of Braves lore for a variety of reasons. Oh, for so many reasons. It's true, isn't it? He's the only person ever to play for the Boston, Milwaukee, and Atlanta Braves, yes. right? Um, that's that's worth a lot right there. And he was later a manager for the Atlanta Braves. Um, right. Not a great one. I do but remember <laughs> that pretty well. <laughs> the Atlanta Braves have had one great manager, so that's mm-hmm. that. Um I do think, They've had however, two Hall of Fame managers actually. It's just that Joe Torre wasn't yet very good when he was the Braves manager. Right, that's my point. Um, <laughs> right, <laughs> but I guess in terms of what's actually, going on, actually, take the Braves as a whole. They had Casey Stingle as their manager. Sure, he also Boston, wasn't good. We for talked them. about before, but he had a terrible record. Right, uh, and Bill McKechnie is in the Hall of Fame as a manager, and he actually had an okay record, but yeah, not anything great. Uh, the Arizona Fall League is going on. The Braves have a few prospects there. Ronald Acuna has hit his first home run and has done okay, but Alex Jackson is crushing the ball with a league-leading five home runs uh, and hitting three fifty-one. So that's good news. That's all I have to say on it, though. That's good. I haven't really been following. Um, we're going to hear more about Alex Jackson coming forward, though. I don't know if he's a major league catcher, but it seems pretty clear he might just be a major league hitter. One place. I feel like he is not a major league catcher and that that will be decided next season. Probably so. But also because it might be that his glove stays far enough behind the bat. They they may be needing that bat before he's ready to catch. You're right. Um, That'd be fun to see. 
and so you know we can't totally ignore it max freed has also been pitching uh really well out there as a starter so right. maybe but we're looking mostly to the past yeah let's look to the past um Oh, and I guess I should... And, and what a glorious past it was during the years that Eddie Matthews was on yeah. the Braves. Real quickly, I should also mention uh, Tukey Toussaint is not pitching well out of the bullpen out there. Oh, well, he, he's, he can be pretty inconsistent. Yep. Uh, but we are talking about Eddie Matthews, and one of the fun things about Eddie Matthews is that he might be one of those underrated players historically. Now, my perspective on this is messed up because um, I care way more about baseball history than, oh, almost anyone else. True. So, my, but, but if we're talking about all-time greats and people that really are in the know about who's an all-time great, your point is even people that know and recognize him as an all-time great probably don't fully appreciate his greatness. Right. And part of this actually gets to, and it'll be important when we get to Chipper Jones and Daryl Evans later, uh, Third base is a weird position to understand for people. Eddie Matthews has the hitting stats of an elite first baseman or left fielder. He played third base, not at a Brooks Robinson, Cleet Boyer level. See what I did there? I said Cleet Boyer is a great third base. Yes. Um, Thank you for that. (laughs) But he played it well enough to stay there and be... You know, he wasn't negative value according to the advanced metrics, whatever they are for the 50s. And he was one of the best power hitters of all time. Of all time, right. Of, at any position. <laughs> he uh, was really amazing from the get-go. Yeah. Well, that that's the striking thing about Eddie Matthews. If you look at his career line, which I haven't lately, but I remember it pretty well, um, his, his first... He probably had as many home runs in, in by the age of 24, 25 as pretty much anybody in Major League history, right? Yeah, I mean, whenever you see those stats when a player comes up hot really young, Mike Trout was on the list of, you know, fastest players right. this many. Eddie Matthews is all over those things. Exactly. That's who he is. Um, and, I mean, we're not talking about he was just a decent hitter. He was a phenomenal hitter. Right. And he was born in Texarkana, Texas, but moved to Santa Barbara at the age of six. Uh, yeah, I Santa remember Barbara. that he grew up in California. Yeah. Right. The Santa Barbara High School baseball field is named after him because, of course, it is. Well, it should be. Uh, and as soon as he graduated from Santa Barbara High School in 1949, he was signed by the Boston Braves. We kind of talked about this last week. The Braves were getting good in the late 40s and had just right. been in the World Series. And he basically becomes an asset immediately. His first year, he played for, now this is a great team name, the High Point Thomasville High Toms of the North Carolina State League. Okay. Isn't that a great one? Um, the High Toms. Yeah. Where he hit 363 and clobbered 17 home runs in just 63 games. And that's immediately out of high school you're talking about yeah. then, right? He's basically 17. Uh-huh. And then the next year, he plays for the Atlanta Crackers at Ponce de Leon Park. Well, let me let me um, let me talk about that for a moment. Yeah. Will. When the Braves announced, when the announcement was made in early '65 that the Braves were moving to Atlanta, um, I was excited for so many reasons. Um, I mean, mainly because a major league team was coming, but also because uh, it was the team that had Eddie Matthews on it. Because my father um, 
he, he was a pretty good baseball fan. Uh, one of his very favorite players was Eddie Matthews. And the reason was he remembered so well watching Eddie Matthews play in Atlanta uh, at Old Postelion Park. Um, and Eddie Matthews was a great player for the Crackers. And my fa- I remember so well my father saying, oh, that Eddie Matthews, what, what a great player. See, when the Braves came to Atlanta, I guess I was nine years old when they made that announcement. Um, and I was just starting to follow baseball. And I knew about Willie Mays and Mickey Mantle and some of the other names. But um, I, I, I don't think I fully recognized Eddie Matthews, who at that point was you know, not, not quite the Eddie Matthews of a few years before. But my father... Uh, would go on about what a great player Eddie Matthews was and you know part of our theme as fathers and sons mm-hmm. and how things get passed down so I've always thought of Eddie Matthews as a great player and it stems from the fact that he was a great player for the Atlanta Crackers back in what 1950 uh in 50 and 51 he played okay. in Atlanta yep. um and actually weirdly I had not realized this until seeing it in 1951 the Braves two highest affiliates were Atlanta and Milwaukee. I didn't That's realize weird. that. <laughs> yeah. But That's funny. Um, so he split time between Atlanta and Milwaukee in 51. His kind of legendary season was as an 18-year-old in 1950. And right. I guess maybe for people who may not know exactly where Ponce de Leon Park was. Obviously, it's on Ponce de Leon Avenue in Atlanta. Right. That's the way we say it in Atlanta. Sure, whatever. That's how they say it in lots of places, I'm sure, because no one cared about pronouncing foreign names right for a long time. Uh, But uh, to know where it is, what way back when Ponce de Leon Park was there, it was the Sears Roebuck Building. Yeah, across from... Was, was the Sears Roebuck building, and the Postelian Park was on the north side. And what is that building Sears, now? The Sears building was out. Yeah. So, well, now the old Sears building is Ponce City Market. Which right. Some of our listeners, all of you listeners out there, if you're young, hip Atlanta people, of course you know all about the Ponce City Market. Even people in other cities, it's quite a development. And running along beside the, the Ponce City Market, the old Sears building, is the new Atlanta Beltline Urban Trail. Well, that trail goes north across Ponce de Leon, um, and as you go north and you look back to your left, um, to the west, you are looking right down on what was right field. And it is now a shopping center, but where you're talking about was a long uh, railroad track. Exactly, right. And if you follow where that is... It no longer runs trains there, but that was a working train line, yes, for for all that time, and it served... um, including Sears. They had a loading dock there. That's true. And there is a large tree right alongside it, still there. Still there. Which was out in, it was beyond the fence, but it was out in center field. Way out, yep, way out there. There are exactly Uh, two people who have ever hit a home run that hit that tree in the history of Ponce de Leon Park. One was Babe Ruth on a barnstorming tour at the height of his powers. The other was the 18-year-old Eddie Matthews. Yep. Deep right center field out there for a left-handed pull hitter, um, and it, and it, it's you start to go up the incline because the the track the old track the current Beltline Trail is up pretty high up above, but the tree is is still still there, and it was I, you know I don't know how far away it was from home plate a good five hundred feet I think everybody always said, yeah. but Eddie Matthews hit it there hit the tree itself, and uh, and that, know, my, that was the legend my father it wasn't a legend it was actually true but yeah. my father. 
when he started talking about Eddie Matthews and the Braves coming. That's the guy who hit it at the tree out there in right center field. I have no and idea what store is near it now because it's kind of changed. It used to be near oh, well, Borders and those don't exist There's anymore. a PetSmart and probably well, not a Borders. But, you know, it's, it's just sort of a strip mall shopping center. But, um, but I mean, if you kind of can people know the Beltline, and if you've walked along there from Pine City Market heading toward Piedmont Park, you've walked right by that tree where Eddie Matthews hit the ball. And that's, I mean... He did that as an 18 year I assume we do have a pretty hip urban audience there. That, yeah. Those are our listeners I'm talking to. Um, but, I mean, that's the kind of player he was known to be at 18. Exactly. He was he, legendary even then. Uh, uh, you know, when you look at minor league stats on baseball reference, they give an age difference from the average age of the league. Yeah. Well, this is sort of as leagues are starting to get pulled together, but you still just have the 16 major league teams, no expansion. He is a full eight years younger than the average age of the guys he's playing. Is that right? Yeah. And he hits 286, but with 32 home runs and 146 games. Also nine triples. Um, And as I said, he's split between the two major affiliates the next year and then was up for good in 52. 52 is his rookie year. What is he? He's he's not even 21 yet, right? Yeah. 20 years old as a rookie. Jason he had an October birthday, so he was born um, right. in 1931. So he's, 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 he plays a full year, basically, as a 20-year-old, as yeah. a rookie, right? Um, and in that year, I mean, it's interesting to think about this year because he would go on to be one of the best hitters in the league the next year. And uh-huh. so he doesn't seem that impressive when you've got his stats up. He hit 242 with a 320 on base percentage and a 447 slugging. But you do that as a third baseman, you're contributing a lot. Uh And he hit 25 home runs, which was a rookie record at the time. 25 home runs as a 20-year-old, yep. Mm -hmm. Um, So so there's a lot of promise there with the kid that they put in the lineup at third base. And then the Braves moved to Milwaukee. And really... The very next year. So this is the last year in Boston we're talking about his rookie year. Okay. And... He became the signature star of the Milwaukee Braves. Hank Aaron would come and, up shortly thereafter. But. Yeah, and we, we talked about this a little bit before when we talked about Warren Spahn, I guess. But, you know, the move in, in the Boston Braves um, had never been a good team. They had won the one World Series back in 1914, uh, went to the World Series there in the late 40s, we talked about. Um, but they couldn't really compete with the. the Boston couldn't support two major league teams. Attendance was pretty awful. And the very first year in Milwaukee, what are we talking about, 52? Um, you know, they, they set attendance records. 53. Was, 53. They, 52 is the last year in Boston. Mm-hmm. And then in 53, they, uh, you know, the attendance was just phenomenal, well over 2 million when they've been less than half a million, something like that, in Boston. And the whole city is just going bonkers over their team. And the star was the young third baseman, Eddie Matthews, right? Yeah, this is a season for the ages. He, one, he played in 157 games. I don't know what was going on with the team that year. It's 154 game schedule, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> um, but whatever. They had ties and other weird things. Right. Occasionally. Um, games that just couldn't be made up. And he hit 302. And this is saying something. His batting average might be the least impressive stat on his stat line. Well, right. 
He stole one base and was caught stealing three times. That's bad, but whatever. That's not that damaging. He was slow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he was a third baseman. Um, right. He had those kind of reactions. This is a guy who, while hitting 302, hit 47 home runs, which I think set the record for a third baseman. Mm-hmm. Um, eight triples. Oh, I think that's right. Doubles. I mean, there had there really had been no slugging third baseman before Eddie Matthews, right? To amount to anything. Not on I mean, his the, level. Not on that level. The great third baseman of the early um, part of the 20th century um, weren't really big-time well, sluggers. Mention this. This is an idea, as most of my big ideas of baseball are, directly borrowed from Bill James. But basically, in the dead ball era, where there weren't many double plays, but guys bunted down the third baseline all the time, you put your good glove at third and your hitter at second. Right. Mm -hmm. And this started to change in the 30s and sort of post-World War II. You had big sluggers. Al Rosen was kind of that type. Uh, Sure. Jeff Heath. But I'm not saying was, there weren't any big hitters at third base, but it had yeah. not been traditionally known as a power position in the lineup, right? And Matthews is one of the first. He walked 99 times and struck out 83 times that year. He, he is 21 years old, and he walks 99 times more than he struck out, all while hitting 47 home runs. And I mean, my gosh, yes, that's a. Um, he had 135 RBIs and 110 runs. I mean, he was putting numbers on the scoreboard. Yep. Uh, and go back to how you let off this podcast. He, he wasn't just a good hitter. He was an, a great hitter. That's a season for the ages. Yeah. I mean, that's... He, was, he didn't win the MVP that year because Roy Campanella was almost as good offensively while being, like, the best defensive catcher of all time. And his team won the pennant. Right? For the team that won the pennant. Yeah. I mean, this is... Uh, just amazing thing. And then he basically replicates it the next year. Yeah. The difference is he hit slightly less in terms of batting average, but he did uh, manage to walk more. And although intentional walks... How many walks, home runs did he hit in his... He hit 40 30. the next year. And intentional walks apparently weren't recorded until 55. But my guess oh, okay. is he started getting a lot more. I'm sure he did. Um, um. He. It's kind of amazing to think about this. Also, he was 19th in the MVP voting in 54 as a 22-year-old, despite 19th, hitting 40 home runs. 40 home runs, yeah. Well, um, I mean, the Braves didn't win as much in 54. That's the real answer. Right. Um, by this time, they had another rookie coming along named Hank Aaron that year, by the way. Um, but um, More on him next yeah, Matt, week. <laughs> Matthews, um, that's as good a two-first... How, how many people in Major League history, probably, in their first three seasons. Or, or let's put it this way. By the age of 22, had, what would you say, 67 and 25, had, you know, like uh, 92 home runs in their first three seasons up to age 22. Has anybody? You did your math wrong, by the way. Did. It's yeah. 112. 112? What? Oh, oh, right, of course. It was it was 87 home runs mm-hmm. in those two years, plus another 25. And then he hit 41 so, as a 23-year-old in 55, 37 as a 24. I mean, before his age 25 I, I said season. before without knowing that it's true, and somebody could look it up and say, I don't think anybody's ever had that many home runs by the age of 24, have they? He is. Um, um, Babe Ruth, you know, hit him at a faster rate once he started playing full-time, yeah. but he was older than that. Mel Ott was the other guy you hear that hit a ton of home runs at a very young age um 
A-Rod was great from age 18 on. Ken Griffey Jr. came up at age 18. But, um, these, but I don't think they had that many home runs by the age of 23, 24. Who hit 25 to 30 home runs as young men. Right. Like Mike Trout, for that matter. Yeah. Trout's a greater player. He didn't have that many home runs in his first three, four years. Matthews was truly a special player. Um, right. I mentioned already, defensively, he was never considered a wizard over there. What I've always heard about Matthews, and this is just, you know, me, I don't, I haven't looked up the stats or anything. Mm-hmm. What I've always heard was he really was not a very good third baseman when he came up. And he wasn't a great, he was not fast, quick enough to play third base, but apparently put in a lot of work. Um, and he became a pretty good third baseman. Over Good enough, as you say, to stick there for a long time. Mm-hmm. I mean, hitting that many homers helps. But- well, right. You don't have to be very good, but apparently he was, you know, um, not not a negative at third base defensively. Yeah, and that goes so far. And I kind of mentioned this with Warren Spawn, and it's important to think about, but if you have your great power coming from third base, you get to have another guy who's pretty decent in left field. Uh-huh. You know, your first baseman can be a big slugger that's not taken up, and you don't have the defensive guy there. And... I think the other thing about Eddie Matthews that's interesting, on the basis of his numbers, this is a guy who seems like he should have been one of the great stars. He kind of wasn't. He, We've talked about what phenomenal seasons he put up through age 23, I guess, at this point. You know, 20 was a really good rookie season. 21 was a season for the ages, just about as good at 22 and 23. And although he was very good for several years afterwards... He never quite matched it, did he? Well, he won the uh, he never won the MVP, but he came second twice. Once, as I mentioned, to Roy Campanella. The other time was in 1959, his age 27 year, where he was second to Ernie Banks. Yeah. Um, where Banks basically had an Eddie Matthews season as a shortstop. As a no right. Um, but that year he had 46 home runs. Did Matthews um, while hitting 306. But the team was a disappointment. He also was. They were the noticeably... best team in the league, even in '59. But somehow they managed to lose the pennant at the end to the Dodgers, who weren't nearly as good. That's part of the thing about this Braves team. We've talked about this before. They were clearly the best team in the league for five or six years in a row, mm-hmm. and they only had two World Series appearances and one World Series win through that stretch. Should have won in '56. Came up a game short. '59. They actually tied the Dodgers. You know, they had to have have a playoff um, to see who got to go to the World Series, and they lost that. Again, I'm doing this from memory, but I think I'm right. Um, and they won, of course, in 57 and 58 and managed to beat the Yankees in 57. But something like the 90s Braves, the best team in the league for a long stretch, but only one World Series win to show for it. Well, I mean, you know, they were even more snake-bitten in a way than the 90s Braves. Well, they didn't, you know, win the pennant for nearly as many years in a row, but, right. but they were a dominant team for but several years in a row, right? They lost by one game in 56. Of course, right. they won it all in 57. Mm-hmm. Uh, 58, they faced one of the better teams of all time in the World Series. Still went seven. And took them to seven. Right. Um, and 58 was the year they were really had everything. 59, as we mentioned, they basically backed themselves into a playoff that they lost to the Dodgers, who... Which they never should have, but they did. 
This is a team that should have been winning 93 games. And then they were pretty good for the next three or four years, but not not quite good enough to win it. So, um, But the, the point of all that in relation to Matthews is Matthews was at the center. This is a team yeah. that had three all-time greats. We talked about Spahn last week, and we'll talk about my favorite player of all time, Mr. Aaron, coming up. Um, but Matthews is in that group. But before Mike Schmidt came along, there was an excellent argument that Eddie Matthews was the best third baseman of all time, right? I think um, not even an argument. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, the thing that I, a lot of people have to realize is you had home run Baker who had a weird career in the dead ball era. And I don't right. just mean because it was a dead ball era. He, like, left baseball twice. Once because his wife died suddenly and he had small kids to take care of. Like, that kind of weird career. Um I guess the other guys, you, you know, know so much, Will. That's pretty cool. Well, but then you have guys like in the 30s, Pepper Martin. Right. And, you know, things like Mel Ott playing one season at third base for no good reason. I didn't He's, even remember that. Well, he wasn't good there. Um, he kind of handled it. You didn't have guys who locked it down. You know, fans really your age. players like Ken Keltner, you know. Right. And, they, they were, and then there were even better players, you know, Al Rosen. Um but, Eddie Matthews, but guys yeah, didn't have a, careers is kind of the point. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, in terms of people who played forever, famously, Rosen and Keltner had shorter careers than probably yeah. they needed to. Fans your age, of course, in sort of, you know, prime See, baseball. I, I grew up UN. in the 60s where there were a lot of really good third basemen. Well, um, what I was going to say is, so you get Brooks Robinson to start off with. Yeah. Let's not overlook Sal Bando in Oakland. But yeah. the two guys who could challenge Matthews as best third baseman of all time come up at the exact same time in the late 70s. Right. Yeah, George Schmidt Brandt and Brett Schmidt. Um, were, were probably the only people... Um, well, Schmidt overall was a better player than Eddie Matthews, but it's close. Um, I mean, in terms of being a power hitter, uh, they were pretty comparable. Schmidt dominated um, in terms of hitting home runs more than Matthews did, even in the 50s. Um, the difference is Schmidt was the best defensive third baseman of his time, in addition to being a great power hitter, which is why there's not much doubt about it. Um, well, and if you look at similarity scores, and this offseason exercise might become fun with similarity scores, uh, Mike Schmidt is Eddie Matthews' most similar batter. That doesn't surprise me. I hadn't looked it up, but that's what I would expect. Yep. Number two is Ernie Banks, but he's not that similar. The yeah. scores go out of 1,000. Matthews was a better hitter than Ernie Banks. Right. But what I'm saying is power-hitting infielders with that shape, their stat lines, are not common. Next, you All get right. Willie McCovey, Mickey Mantle, Fred McGriff, Harmon Killebrew, Sammy Sosa, Gary Sheffield, who played third base kind of at the start of his career. Right. Willie Stargell and Dwight Evans. I remember him as a third baseman, but he didn't stick there, right? The only player who's above 900 is Mike Schmidt. Now, let me tell you, well, the most similar by that's ages... That's because they're the two best third basemen of all time. Right. Until you, you get to George Brett, and then maybe Chipper Jones. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a pretty small group of great third basemen, and people have often commented third base, the position is underrepresented in the hall. There's some pretty good third basemen out there that are not in the Hall of Fame. But Eddie Matthews is right at the, I mean, he's clearly in the top three or four on mm-hmm. any list. And all, but, but here's the thing about Eddie Matthews. I remember Eddie Matthews so well as an Atlanta Brave. 
I remember him. That's primarily. interesting to me. I remember him as a Milwaukee Brave. Remember, I've told you before, um, in the spring of, of 1965, when they announced the Braves were moving from Milwaukee to Atlanta, um, they they did not um, move immediately and, and got involved in litigation. And so they played one kind of lame duck season in Milwaukee, which was kind of miserable all the way around. People in Atlanta were excited to get them, and the people in Milwaukee who had turned out in droves in the 50s to watch the team quit going altogether. Um, but I got to watch a good bit of 65 Braves on television because in Atlanta they were broadcasting Milwaukee Braves games. Um, and the sad thing is, even the, how old was Eddie Matthews in 1965, Will? You have that in front of you? 33. His age 33 season, he seemed like an old man. Aaron, his only slightly younger teammate, uh, was in his prime and remained in his prime for several more years. Matthews had a had a particularly quick aging curve. We talked about those first four seasons mm-hmm. or so, maybe as good as anybody's ever had from age 20 to 24. Um, as good as he was for the next several years, he never matched a stretch like that at all, right? Well, but, um, I mean, the thing about Matthews was he was known for having one of the great swings of all time, just picture perfect. Yeah. Just very sweet. He's always described yeah. a lefty and, swing for some reason. And it's that thing where it's got very little motion. Right. He kind of steps heavy, and then he can kind of turn his wrists. Exactly, and, yeah. You know, I think that leaves a little less margin for error. But you know what? 64, 65, 66, he was not a bad player. Yeah. Um, I, he wasn't Eddie Braves, Matthews. As when he the used Braves to be. came to Atlanta... Um, I was still thinking of Eddie Matthews as, you know, a star, which he was. <laughs> and he wasn't all that old. Uh, you, as you say, he was 33 um, in 65. Um, what kind of numbers did he put up for the 1966 Atlanta Braves, Will? He hit 250, but with 16 home runs and 21 doubles in yeah. just 134 games. So with his 63 walks, you've got a third baseman hitting 250, 341, 420 as it becomes a pitcher's league. Yeah, remember, yeah, you're right. This is very much a a, a low-run-scoring environment by, by the mid-60s. Um, and then the other thing you always have to remember is this is before people thought walks were worth anything. Yes. And and he's he's got only a two fifty batting average. Oh, man, this guy's not any good. And what did I know? I was a 10-year-old kid. I just know what they I read in the sports pages and what they say on TV. And he's only a 250 hitter now. Well, the truth is, he's hitting 250, walking 60 times with you know a lot of extra base hits. He was still a very valuable mm-hmm. player, and he was but still he wasn't a, perceived as such at yeah. that point. He was still a capable enough third baseman that you kept him there, right? Um, I mean, we're probably going to get into uh, really bad transactions and personnel decisions on some later episodes this off season. Um, especially with another third you baseman. You mentioned Daryl Evans earlier, yeah. for example, but there are others we can talk about. If anyone wants an overview of Daryl Evans' career that episode, you're not getting it. Small yeah. preview. You're getting a rant about that trade. But I want to talk about the Eddie Matthews trade. Before you do that, yeah. uh, there's something about the, the Matthews in Atlanta. He only played one season in Atlanta. Yeah. Um, it was 1966, and then they traded him in the offseason. Um after that season was over, and we're, we're, we'll talk about that in just a moment. There was one magical night, and I don't remember when it was. We, if we had time, we'd look it up, but we don't while we're talking. Uh, in which he won a game for the Braves with Sandy Koufax pitching for the Dodgers by hitting a home run off Sandy Koufax. 
Um, At the launching pad or Chavez Ravine? No, it was in Atlanta, I'm confident. <laughs> I don't think anybody ever hit Omar Alcovax at Dodger Stadium, <laughs> probably ever. Um, but, uh, you know, nobody was hitting Kofax. This was actually Kofax's last year, if people remember. It, but, you know, the 63 to 66 Kofax had as you know good a stretch as any pitcher in Major League history. And Matthews was already becoming clear, at least everybody was saying, the guy, he really can't hit lefties anymore. And I remember that the manager played him against Kofax, kind of very, why is he even playing Matthews? And Matthews won a game with a home run. I, I, I'm doing this entirely from memory, Will, but um, I remember thinking, see, the guy's still got it. Um, but the, the point is the Braves were really starting to give up on him. So now tell us about that miserable transaction. <laughs> um, hold on, I have it, I think. Okay. He would have hit it in the ninth? Um, yeah. I mean, he won the game with a home run off Koufax. I don't remember details much more than that. Well, um, it looks like I have it. Hold on. It was late in the season, too. Um, Second half of the season. Yes, here it is. It was actually a week before your 11th birthday. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Tuesday, August 9th, 1966. Uh, At Atlanta Stadium, uh, Koufax was Koufax. Right. Um, he gave up a run in the first because Felipe Alou hit a home run, of all people. Yeah. And then the only other player to get a hit other than Alou and Matthews was Woody Woodward because, of course, it was Woody Woodward. That makes sense. Yeah, my, another sure. one of my favorites. We'll talk about him sometime else maybe. Yeah, but, but still. Um, it's just funny to me that, like, there's Hank Aaron his home run? and Rico Cardi and Mac Jones, and the other guy to get hit was Woody Woodward who got two. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Um, but then in the ninth inning, with the score tied uh, 1-1, because Denny Lee Master had also pitched quite well. I, I was, boy, I'm, I'm proud of myself. I thought, And I remember Denny Lee Master was the Braves' young left-hander who had all kind of potential that never really worked out. But this was, this was his shining moment where he goes head-to-head with mm-hmm. the greatest pitcher in baseball um, and comes out on top. Uh, he <laughs> did somehow... I will say, he allowed a double to Sandy Koufax, which you should not have done. I did not remember that. Well, that's that's weird, pretty funny. Because Koufax, Koufax was, was a terrible not only hitter. a pitcher as a hitter, he was a particularly bad hitter. Yeah. Um, but then he allowed a... Lamaster allowed a home run in the eighth to Jim Lefevre to tie it up. Okay. And then Matthews hits the home run in the ninth. Yeah. That Found was a it. great moment. That was Matthews' last great moment as an Atlanta Brave. He didn't have a great year for the Braves, but that was an exciting time. Um, and I didn't remember all the details, but man, you're bringing it back to me. Um, but and it wasn't off the closer who came in or anything. Yeah. <laughs> this is the days when if Sandy Koufax is pitching like that, of course he's pitching the ninth. Relatedly, he retired in the off season. <laughs> right. <laughs> but so the Braves decide they actually traded him on New Year's Eve, 1966. Oh, was well, that when it was? Okay. But decide to get rid of Matthews, which. In one sense, you can maybe see the argument. They well, if you few... think the guy's very much on the tail end of his career, if you can get some good value back in a young player, maybe it's worth doing. Also, who did they get back for? Didn't it? they figure out Dennis Minky wasn't a shortstop by this point? Is the other reason you do it? That, that may be. Um, Minky was a really good hitter, but as a shortstop, they were a lot better off having Woody Woodward in the field. On the other hand, Woody Woodward couldn't hit at all. <laughs> um, except in a game against Koufax. Right, apparently. except apparently against Sandy Koufax on August 9th. Yeah. 1966. But so the Braves trade Matthews along with Arnold Umbach, who I was not aware was a player, 
Um, and a player to be named later to the Houston Astros for Bob Bruce and Dave Nicholson. Dave Nicholson, you know, is um, he, yeah. he's he's an interesting player. Nicholson was a guy. How old? Well, I'll tell you what I remember about Dave Nicholson. Um, he was he was Dave Kingman before there was a Dave Kingman. So he didn't strike. This is the 60s. Nobody struck out that much. He, he had some power, but he struck out more than anybody. I think he led the uh-huh. league in strikeouts. Well, when, when they let American him play league. and get 500 plate appearances for the uh, 63 White Sox, he had 175. They refused to let him play again. strikeouts is, I mean, that's that's close to the all-time record at that point. You know, uh-huh. since then, people strike out a lot more. He was, he was cons- that's what I remember about Dave Nicholson. The guy struck out more than anybody ever had before. Uh, well. He had some power. He had 20-something home runs, I guess, right? Yeah, but in 1966, he got in 100 games for the Astros. That would have been the first Astros season, right? Um, rather than the Colts. He hit 10 home runs, uh-huh. which in only 280 at-bats is that, pretty that solid. That may have been the, now, I think 65, 65 may have been the first season. Of but the, the point is, he was in the Astrodome. Right. Yeah. So, like, good for him for hitting any home runs. Um, uh-huh. But he hit 246. Now, he had a 356 on base percentage. He looks better from an advanced metrics point of view. But right. previously, he had hit 153 for the White Sox in 65. Um, and before that, 204. But the Braves must have seen, hey, this guy's coming back. He's, he's still not that old, I guess, right. by the time they trade for him. They um, also got the pitcher Bob Bruce, who... I remember nothing about him. Who, speaking <laughs> right. of being in a pitcher's park, had a 5-3-4 ERA whilst having his own park at the Astrodome. <laughs> this is basically an Eddie Matthews for Dave Nicholson trade. Right. And, and the Braves assume somehow, maybe we can turn Dave Nicholson into the, the player that, that could be a better home run hitter without so many strikeouts didn't work i don't remember dave nicholson ever doing anything for the braves after that and if you wanted an outfielder stick felipe alu out there and move matthews to first they didn't need any outfielders my gosh they already had aaron and cardi and alu and mac jones um so much so alu was having to play first base even though he's a really good outfielder um the braves also later sent sandy alomar senior to complete the deal oh okay later (laughs) so technically but like who's a famous name but I remember Sandy Alomar uh, Sr., and he, he was a great guy in a lot of ways, and he produced one Hall of Fame son, another really good son. He was not a very, very good major league player himself. But what I'm saying is the Braves gave up three players for two. Right. And trading away a Hall of Famer who was no longer hitting like a Hall of Famer but was still a good third baseman overall. Yeah. It, it's interesting that in some ways Eddie Matthews can be maybe representative of what ever the Braves were trying to do and failing miserably. We're going to talk about so many transactions where the Braves are trying to do something, but it's not clear what it was they were trying to do. Now, now, to be fair, the Braves probably read Matthews correctly. He wasn't all that old. How old was he when they traded him? Um, He was 35. He was going into his age 35. He had just turned 30. He had played at age 34 the year before. Um. But they, they recognized he meant to have a lot. He did not do much of anything his last couple of years. And he only played fair. two more years, right? Yeah. On the other hand, he was in Houston in 1967. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So, so let me but, let me say this. Um, and actually, they would then trade him to Detroit at the end of that season. But, right. Um, in the middle of that season, I mean. He hit 238, 333, 381 
for the Astros. Because of the park run environment, that was still a 108 OPS plus, according Isn't to Isn't that interesting? <laughs> he was a net positive kind of player mm-hmm. offensively, even then. Right. Um, um, and then he played his last season for the Tigers, right? Yeah, for the American on League that, champion. On that great Tigers team that, that Tigers. won the World Series in 68. He uh-huh. did not play regularly for him, did he? Uh, no, he got into 31 games. Right. Um, I don't remember if he was hurt or if he was just a pinch hitter or what. But, yeah, his career was over at that point. Um, uh, he so, also I mean, kind of was trying to the Braves didn't season. give up that much value, but they've got nothing back, right? Right. I mean, like, you can kind of see, hey, if we get rid of this guy who might bring in something that we think is past his prime, you go, okay, maybe this will work. Mm-hmm. But they just they messed it up. As they did so often um, during that long history. And then Eddie Matthews is kind of part of messing things up later as coach and manager. Um, yeah. He would come back to the Braves um, later on in life. You know, I always like Eddie Matthews, but I do remember him actually better as a manager than a player. It's just well, that one year as a player in Atlanta in 66. Um, this is because as a manager, it was 72. Exactly. And by this time, I remember him pretty well. Um, and I remember everybody at the time, not everybody, but the common thought was, you know, Eddie Matthews was a great player. He does not have the personality to be a manager. <laughs> and this is one of the weird things about He was kind of irascible. Him. He wasn't patient. Um, and, you know, the, the players weren't really fond of him. <laughs> um, and, you know, Hall of Fame caliber players usually are not very good managers, right? Yeah. I mean, even the ones that you would say are exceptions. Ted Williams had some years and then basically alienated everybody um yeah you know it's hard but well matthews wasn't as alienating as ted williams but um and i don't remember any details and what i don't know i don't remember what i read um he, he was not considered to be you know a, a great clubhouse guy that brought the team together or anything <laughs> it well, was the opposite actually i brought up ted williams for a reason another great slugging um offensive player but also williams was kind of known even though he had a tense relationship with teammates and fans and press and anyone who met the guy um he kind of had a personality that stood out eddie matthews was considered kind of a quiet nice guy just bland yeah Mm -hmm. and that's probably also why he's kind of underrated there aren't many eddie matthews stories that's true the eddie matthews story that comes up the most is ty cobb saying that he had one of the best swings he's ever seen it's a ty cobb story um which i think is also part of the al stump book where Cobb was drinking heavily and just <laughs> well, yeah. So you don't uh, even Eddie get Matthews a good. Did have a great swing though, right? Probably it's easier to appreciate Eddie Matthews from the point of view of 2017, where you see yeah. the stats. And that's a great point. We'll talk about this with some other players along the way, but th- this is before Bill James, and and I'm, you know, you know how I'm I'm such a fan of James's work, which came along in the 80s. But it really is true that before that, very few people in baseball, and certainly baseball writers and people that talked about baseball, did not appreciate on base percentage. They really didn't appreciate power, uh, isolated power especially, um, or, or even slugging percentage. And they really thought batting average was the most important stat. And it's still true even today, although everybody knows better, that you talk about who was the league's leading hitter and, and you're talking about who had the highest batting average. But that really was what people thought back then. And Eddie Matthews, what was his career batting average? Uh, two, I have another page. 
Well, it starts so with a two. Two seventy one. Two seventy one. And I think a lot of people back then would have said, "Yeah, he's pretty good, but he's only a two seventy hitter." <laughs> Which nowadays, we, I mean, it's hard for you even to imagine people would have taken that seriously. But back then, people thought, "Yeah, he's only a two seventy hitter. Sure, he hits some home runs." Well, and his um, best single season was three oh six, which he did twice, and he also hit three oh two once. So, so he never hit like three thirty or three fifty right. or anything. He never led the league in hitting, as they say. That is, he didn't have the best batting average in base in his league. I really, ever. come that close. Yeah, right. Uh, but that wasn't his strength. His strength was power and getting on base, which are the two most important things an offensive player can do, right? Yeah, and um, if he was around today, he would be considered... In an OPS era, where what you pay attention to is on-base percentage and slugging, um, yeah, he, he was right near the top many, many years. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting to think about... Um, we kind of went over it last time with... Spawn saying who would be the all-time Braves team. Well, if you make it about the whole history, Eddie Matthews is such a huge piece of this is why this team could beat almost anybody. You get right. to start with Eddie Matthews at third. Yeah, and <laughs> he's not even the greatest offensive player they ever had. Right. We're talking about that guy next week. Yes. Um, and here's the other thing. He might not even be the best third baseman they ever had, but that's only because... You know, they've had right. two of the top five third basemen of all time. We'll get to Chipper much later. I think Matthews was probably a better player than Chipper, certainly at his peak. But Chipper played longer. Um, Chipper was awfully good, too, but I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. Yeah. But what I'm <laughs> saying really is, good. when you start with Eddie Matthews, you have the foundation of a good team already. Right. And then they added Aaron, as you said. There are franchises that never had a player as good as Eddie Matthews, right? And for most of his career, he might have been the second best player on his team. Right, exactly. And really considered third. the third best with Spombies, right. the if second best pitchers. Yep. And that's just kind of says a lot about Eddie Matthews' career to me, because here's a guy that's one of the best of all time, but he also still seems to be in the shadows. Yeah. Um, but no, uh, and yeah, wouldn't it be fun to they made more of a deal out of that tree and um, you know it, it could still happen maybe that's a project we should work on okay fine neither, neither of us has any of for another day for sure. yeah um but uh as we've said multiple times now we're going to talk about hank aaron and that's coming up next, next week. week um oh i'm excited might because mr might aaron is of course my all-time favorite player and yes. i'm looking forward to talking about him um we're gonna need to have a conversation about that versus whether Phil Negro is your all-time favorite. but He's my favorite pitcher, I'll Got give it. you that. <laughs> um, but so, we'll be moving apace. Also, the World Series could end before we talk next week. That's which true, means or it that, may not. Um, well, I mean, but if the World Series ends, presumably all the information about the investigation of the Braves happens. Well, that's, that's, that's the next thing, but I'm not looking forward to that. No. But we would have to talk That's about it. That's why we'll keep looking in the past for, for yes. a while now. Um, so we will probably bring it up, but mostly we will keep talking about the past and console ourselves with Hank Aaron uh, next week right here on the Channel 17 podcast. And you can listen to every single one of our episodes on our website, ProductiveLeisureNetwork.com. And you can listen to us on iTunes and Stitcher. And if you are listening to us on either of those, do please leave a rating and a review as well as subscribing and downloading uh, the podcast because that helps us to get onto charts. You can also 
uh, help us out a bit more directly by becoming a patron over at Patreon, patreon.com slash Productive Leisure. If you become a patron, you give a small monthly contribution to the Productive Leisure Network, and it helps us keep going and hopefully, if you do this, expand. We would love to have many more podcasts, including if you've enjoyed this, I'd love to do a sports history podcast, but I need to justify it somehow. So please help me out and uh, go to Patreon. Yeah, help them out. I'd love that too. Well, you'd be part of it. So yes, yeah. um, not all of it, but some of it. But if you want to do that, um, please go to patreon.com slash Productive Leisure. You can also follow us for updates on everything to do with the Productive Leisure Network on Facebook and Twitter at Prod Leisure. Thanks for listening and see you next week.